Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve. And joining me, it's Adam Myros. Hello, Steve. Another great, great week for you, huh? Uh, it's just, the hits keep coming. Just, they, they do keep coming. And, and I'm glad we had to extend to four films. It was essential this week. Yeah, definitely essential. Well, you know, we've for a while there, we were watching too many good films. And, you know, when you're, when you're doling out little treats like that, sometimes you got to snatch the treats away lest you forget what a good film really feels like. Well, we did cover my favorite director, Worth Keeter, this week. Oh, man. Yeah. He sure is worth something. <laughs> Big bucks at the box office, I bet. The appears he's directed, <laughs> like, 90% uh, Saban fucking kids shows, which are Japanese to begin with, so I don't know what directing uh, counts as in, in this sense. But uh, It's like the, 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 the Bulk and Skull sections of Power Rangers, that's, right? That's his entire career, Bulk and Skull. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something to hang your hat on. Imagine that. Imagine if you could make a living and live in a giant Beverly Hills mansion, and all you have to do is shoot Bulk and Skull little vignettes for power range got something figured out it's like a solid a 20 years of bulk and skull that's that's a career unbelievable little rita repulsa in there for you too <laughs> i don't know isn't red, rita repulsa guy? isn't rita repulsa japanese footage oh uh, fuck yeah she's japanese too and so is, so is the red guy the guy he looks like uncle frank from hellraiser uh, i think you're, you're thinking of lord zed lord zed lord zed and who comes after lord zed uh I don't know. I didn't really watch this show. Uh, it uh, in the movie oh. there is Says the Ivan guy who Ooze. knows who Lord Zed is. Well, I, Ivan I, Ooze. I have a, a problem with knowing pop culture bullshit, Steve. Yeah, Jack, you fuck with Power Rangers? Uh, not too much. No, that's good. You're an adult, man. Come on. Well, you know, I'm I mean, I, just, I think it was really just because it wasn't on TV at the right time, so I missed out. But you know, I mean, looking back on it, Power Rangers looks pretty sweet compared to a lot of what's what's happening now. Compared to a lot of the stuff we watch. I mean, are, Adam, are you you're going to complain about this thing? Are you going to say you wouldn't have preferred to watch maybe several episodes of Power Rangers? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, that's some kaiju nonsense, at least, right? You, you, it's... Yeah. It's probably fine outside of the sections directed by Worth Keeter. <laughs> Someone's got. I, I don't have any like very strong memories of that show. I know I watched it, but it, none of it really stuck. You were like just but just a hair too old. I feel like just just a hair. Yeah, we were it's the like Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. I mean, we were still watching Saturday Morning Bullshit, but just just slightly too old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good position to be in, honestly, because. You know, Power Rangers didn't really get, you know, have to deal with that. Had some solid cartoons. And then, you know, my biggest blessing in my life is I'm too old to be a Harry Potter person. And I accept that. I'm not a Harry Potter adult. And I think that served me well. And I'm glad that I'm not younger. And I'm glad I've never read the stupid books. And I feel like it's, it's really made me a better person. There's a wonderful blessing to yet yeah, just not knowing a goddamn thing about Harry Potter as as that wheel turns so slowly from it being everyone's complete and total identity to J.K. Rowling being just fucking awful. Uh, it's just it's been so liberating just never have messed with it ever. It's pretty cool, though, because like 
I don't know. It's like, man, there's this whole series of books where like there's a vast swath of population where that's the only book they've ever read. And it's their only frame of reference for anything. And uh, their their God Queen is a total transphobe piece of shit. <laughs> uh, it uh, is liberating. We we really dodged a lot of bullets with our age, I feel like. Just like two or three years younger, you're fucking some Dragon Ball Z idiot and you're playing oh, yeah. your Pokemons and fucking Harry Pottering it up. But. Mm-hmm. Well, shit, I, if I had Pokemon cards right now, dude, I'd be fucking rich. Did, did we dodge a bullet or did, did we just grow up in a time when no one cared about anything like <laughs> yeah. i i had in my uh, again dealing with the youth uh these days in, in my college pursuits here uh a kid had a, <laughs> a about uh, the youth <laughs> he had a screenplay idea that he wanted to use like a a schoolyard economy uh such as you might find with a pokemon and uh he was asking for suggestions and i said well back back when i was in school it was pogs and literally None of these kids knew what a pog was. It was oh, just gone. What poggers it, means it evaporated. No, the pogs are not. It, they don't even know what it is. They don't know that it was an odd phenomenon or think it's like a quaint. Hey, old man, enjoy your pogs. No, it's just gone. It's, I mean, it's kind of good that it's gone. I, I, it's, it's kind of it's baffling because you're like, oh wow, are these like trading cards or they, you know, like or like a game like Pokemon was like. No, no, it's um. They're just little circular cardboard discs that cost a lot of money. And there is a game you can play, but rest assured, you're not going to play that game. <laughs> yeah, because the game is just like marbles, essentially, right? Right, yeah. It's yeah, you just like you that. stack them up and then you throw the, the heavy one, the slammer thing on top of it. And then if they flip over so the picture side is not showing, then like you, you take it and it's like your points or whatever. But that's fucking boring. Yeah, I think it's like it's boring and no, and no one wants to lose the, the pogs they had. I mean, no kid was yeah. actually ever oh, going to no. give up the pogs you would lose. Fuck that's no. And, and then on top of that, it's like, oh, you have these things that, you know, it's like, what if your, your job with baseball cards? Like, oh, I've got this Nolan Ryan rookie card and I'm just going to fucking chuck it across the room. That's how you play with cards. Like, no, I didn't want to fuck those things up. Come on. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I, it, it is an odd thing to have like as a betting currency. I, I mean, it, cause essentially it is just like marbles for people who are too poor to have marbles. And then it was of course subsumed by the capitalist machine and, and made more expensive than marbles. But, uh, yeah, it's just milk caps, caps from inside well, of a I gallon of milk. Like, and then they like regenerate, like, because they had Beyblade for a while too, which was apparently was huge for a little while. I didn't realize this was oh, like. Oh, yeah. Beyblade is like you motorized pogs launching exactly. each other. It's like even more yeah. complicated and expensive. And then also, so far as I can tell, it's just absolutely disappeared. I don't think anyone knows what that is. Dude, I was, I was a pure fucking capitalist fat cat on the playground because I got, for Christmas one year, I got a pog maker where you could make your own pogs. So I was essentially like printing money. I was like fucking Willem Dafoe and to live and die in L.A. <laughs> that's just saying, yeah, a counterfeiting <laughs> machine. That's, yeah, that seems like a, a dangerous item to give to oh, a child. Oh, yeah, and you, you charge kids more. You're like, well, if you want this, you know, specialty one, you know, I, I got to find this picture. I got to put it on here. Like, you're going to have to pay me extra. So there's, there's like a whole thing. Your mom's just like, why Why have you printed out 600 sheets of a skull with a snake and a yin-yang in each eye socket? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Luckily, we had uh, Corel Print House, which was a, uh, a disc with a lot of uh, clip art on it. And let me tell you, at least 100 variations on the yin-yang that I was able to use. So, yeah, it was, it was a yin-yang pog economy back then, so...
Things were things were better. And we and we didn't know how good we had it. I, I was going to transition us here. Speaking of uh, you know, the deep connection to the east with the yin yang. <laughs> Uh, our first film also has a, a fantastic Oriental connection. And that's the word. Did they say the word Oriental a thousand <laughs> times yeah. in this movie? Uh, well, how else times. would you know they're talking about the Orient, a mystical place? <laughs> My favorite is that they also use the word Occidental. <laughs> when he goes to occidental the library, oriental. it's like your Occidental mind couldn't comprehend the nuances of this game. We should probably tell the people what we're talking about. We're we're talking about an incredible oh. movie called Snapdragon, and why are we Snapdragon. talking about this, Steve? Well, I am so glad you asked, Jack, because uh, we got a, we got a whole new. It's almost like a little sub series we got going here. We started with Anna Nicole Smith, and we have moved on to Pamela Anderson. This is the cinema of Pamela Anderson, and it's this new thing we're calling uh, '90s Babes. Yeah, no, yeah. Just, was that's like, what we're calling it. We're really 90s, looking into 90s, the 90s babes, the bizarre plasticine uh, era that was. The 90s. It was all about pogs and plastic surgery. Yeah, just wait till we get to the cinema of Carmen Electra and uh, who's who's the one you keep you keep crowing for, Jack? Oh, <laughs> Nicole Eggert, I think. Nicole Eggert. That was where it came. That was that came from the Double O Kid, and I was just looking through and was like, I no one has watched these movies. We Real should be the first people, yeah, to watch these movies. And I, uh, this is the optimism vaccine promise. Who has this watched Snapdragon? I, who's seen this, dude? Ireland in the nineties is just ten years behind everybody else. So like, while the rest of the world was <laughs> enjoying Pamela Anderson. Said you got Nicole Eggert. We were t- I, we got we got Baywatch. I mean, I think she was on that. I only vaguely remember that. I was be- behind that because in Ireland, some people had the satellite TV, and then you got you know you got regular programming. I didn't have any of that. No. Ireland is a weird mix because because sometimes we get stuff before everyone else. We like we got the Sopranos like before England. Like Ireland was like the first country I think in the world who would you know you could watch it like I think it was almost within a week of original broadcast for that show, and then for <laughs> other stuff it just never showed up because like The Simpsons it took ten years before I could watch an episode of The Simpsons because Sky had a a like exclusive content on it and I didn't have Sky we didn't have no. satellite so I I was everyone was like oh this is so funny it's amazing it's like what the fuck are the yellow people about but I caught up <laughs> figured it out we got there. <laughs> I think takes, Jack's gonna have to watch Nicole Eggert on his own time. I mean, we only deal <laughs> we only deal with people who were thoroughly exploited by Hugh Hefner. Yeah. <laughs> how many Playboy spreads does she do? I I don't know. We didn't no, do that research for the for the Double O Kid episode. <laughs> I don't know. No, well, just, we we have somehow stumbled into this. Basically, I I don't know how we got here, but here we are. And uh, I guess our, our Anna Nicole Smith content was so wildly popular that the masses were just crowing for some Pam Anderson content. And this is actually a good time, believe it or not, to be talking about Pam Anderson, because Pamela Anderson is slated to star in the Broadway revival of Chicago in the lead role of Roxy, which is uh, that was the Renee Zellweger character in the movie, right? Does she uh, sing? I don't know, but I, we're going to find Does out. Does she I think dance? <laughs> Once again, I, I believe uh, she, her Broadway debut is this week. So <laughs> I'll wait patiently 
here I assumed you must be referring to the Hulu show, uh, the Pam and Tommy well, business, but instead- Also you, true. I, I, she's also apparently true. also a Broadway star. Who knew? A Broadway star. So, I, I mean, I have the utmost confidence in her. Uh, I, I think she's going to be great. I think this is an interesting choice for casting because I believe at this point, Pam Anderson, who still looks great, by the way, is 55 years old. And I don't know if that's necessarily the target age for the character Roxy, but I, I have the utmost confidence that she will be great. This isn't going to be like some, you know, farcical Citizen Kane shit. She's going to she's gonna really pull through here. I, I'm sure the yeah. critics will be raving. I, I'm, I'm sure. Having seen these four <laughs> films, I, I recommend <laughs> buying a ticket. Get, get your tickets while they're available. This is I mean, she's had like, like 25 years since her last film role to really work on this shit. So I'm I, sure I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like if we're, if we're in the vein of Anna Nicole Smith, Pamela Anderson's a goddamn movie star by oh, any yeah. metrics. Wow. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anna Nicole Smith is it, perhaps the least screen presence of any human to ever exist. So that's, that's yeah. a, a I mean, great as, deal. As we <laughs> discussed in the show, I mean, Anna Nicole Smith was treated horribly, reprehensibly, yeah. very unfairly, but like above it, like she wasn't an actress and that wasn't her fault. No. But no. for some reason, she was in movies, and that well, was, that was yeah. part, of, part of the exploitation, Jack. You, you got to get I the think, money where you can. I mean, Pamela Anderson is is fine. I, I can't think of many instances in these movies where her her screen presence was like a distraction. I don't think she was a great actress, but she also made you know a, a lot of these things when she was pretty young, and and you know she was discovered as, as a model when she was just on the jumbotron at a baseball stadium, and some beer executive was just like that's my girl and then straight into playboys straight into movies so she didn't really have time to hone her craft but that being said yeah she's not 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 too bad she, not too she bad. is the I definition think, of like there she is, I, I she is we, can, we can acknowledge that pamela anderson is not the worst thing in any of the movies we're about to discuss no, no. no exactly and sometimes she's one of the better things oh so yeah. good on her absolutely now, I want you guys to know that when I was researching for this podcast, as I do, I always do very in-depth research and I don't just like Google a few things 10 minutes before we start. I was looking for a Pam Anderson, like authorized bi uh, biography or autobiography. And I thought, I mean, you know, her career, her life, she was like the like 90s pop culture tabloid queen. She had to have written an autobiography. And so I sought it out, and wouldn't you know, she did not write an autobiography. However, she wrote two works of fiction, heavy finger quotes, two novels. The first one's called Star, and the second one's called Star Struck. See how that's fun? A little play on words there. They look, they look great next to each other on the bookshelf. They, they certainly would. Now, these books are pitched as works of fiction. Uh, they, they were ghostwritten. And based on some of the old interviews I dug up from when these were released in like 2004, 2005, they, Pam Anderson would scrawl notes on like a, a yellow legal pad. And then she had this ghostwriter who would just kind of interpret it and make this book. But this is all based on her life. So it's not an autobiography. It's just like this weird fictionalized account of her life where she replaces her own name with the name star and other things that may 
sound a little familiar. In the book, the character Star, it, she stars in a little show called Lifeguards Incorporated. <laughs> Ooh. And before she gets on that show, she has a bit part on a little sitcom starring Tim Allen. Well, he's not Tim Allen in the book called Hammer Time. Hammer <laughs> do, do we know if the star yeah. of Hammer Time narked on his friends to Michigan police about his coke oh, habits? About his coke, about his coke smuggling? What? I, maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe in this universe, Tim Allen isn't a rash. I'm just, you know, hmm. could that maybe. be a thing? It could be. I And, I, and I'm guessing... Based on how the books go, which is the, the star character is kind of like an underdog that you're rooting for. And then she has a lot of sex and is wildly successful and nothing bad ever happens to her. I, you know, it's I want to say that Pam Anderson's kind of seen this through rose colored glasses a little bit. But you know, this, this seems like a great thing, though, because if you scroll through Pamela Anderson's IMDb page, just her actress credits, I swear like half of them are her appearing as Pamela Anderson. Mm -hmm. But it's not yeah. under self. Oh. She's acting as Pamela Anderson. So, you know, this this kind of add or remove autobiography seems like just so on brand. Yeah, it's truly, truly a, a marvel. Uh, and, it, you know, it also discusses the first movie that Star stars in. It's called Livewire. In case you're wondering. Oh, I thought it was going to be called like Tulip or something. I don't know. Tulip. <laughs> She's coming to the edge. Yeah, obviously even, even Pam Anderson rose tinted glasses skipped a couple of these uh, I feature know, that's films. like the last movie she starts. <laughs> well, I, I was kind of interested in not necessarily the barbed wire stuff because you can go back and, and I watched some of the press she did and I read some of the interviews she did for barbed wire and we'll talk about that more when we get to discussing that movie. But I was kind of interested in how she portrayed the earlier films, like Snapdragon, for instance, that she was in. And the answer is she doesn't really talk about it. And any any times that these movies kind of come up, they're she just sort of brushes them off. It's like, oh yeah, I I did these. They're not very good. Whatever. Barbed wire, I, I think that one hurt her because she thought it was going to be something else and it it turned into a, another beast entirely. But these other movies that she did prior to Barbed Wire, no interest in. However, even though I wasn't able to mine any little nuggets of information from the star books, I do want to share some of the masterful prose with you guys, if, if I may indulge. Oh, so, 100%. Do it. Let's go. Okay. I'd like to do a reading from Starstruck by Pamela Anderson. This is chapter one, You Shook Me All Night Long, page one. This is how the book begins. <clears throat> Why do my nipples hurt? Was Star's first thought as she woke from a strangely deep sleep, her hands gliding along her naked body to the tender nipples that had awakened her. She winced as she made contact, realizing only belatedly that she was naked. Star tried to open her eyes, but couldn't. The room was too bright. She raised her hand to shield her view, only to be blinded by a huge diamond ring that hadn't been on her finger when she went to sleep. When had she gone to sleep? And where? Stretching, Star reached up to push back her hair as she tried to get her bearings, and she struck herself on the forehead with the chrome handle of the Colt 45 she was holding in her right hand. She screamed and fell off the dresser, <laughs> on which she'd been perched. 
The gun went off, taking out a glass tabletop that shattered into four carat chunks of safety glass. Star stared at the revolver in her hand. She'd never even touched a gun before, but here she was, naked, except for a pair of Gucci boots, a strange diamond ring, and a gun welded to her hand. What the hell was going on? Why did everything feel so strange, so blurry? She was hungry, but she didn't have an appetite. Her skin felt alive, vibrating gently against every nerve ending. The sun was so bright she could hardly see, and the carpet was so soft it tickled her bare ass where she sat, puzzled, on the floor. Looking around, Star was relieved to see that she was in her hotel room in Cabo. Well, what was left of her hotel room? Pictures had been torn off the wall into face. Cushions from the chairs and sofa had been built into a fort in the middle of the room. Tables were stacked to the ceiling. Dozens of empty crystal bottles scattered everywhere, prompted her to wonder if the damages would be covered under the incidentals clause in her modeling contract. She surveyed the damage further. She noticed the unmade bed was a confusion of sheets, pillows, and strangely chosen items from around the room. A candlestick, an ice bucket, a selection of well-placed objects. Condoms, some used, some blown up like balloons, also littered the space. Well, I'm glad we played safe, she said with a little laugh, swatting the oddly shaped balloons out of her way. That's when she saw the tiny video camera and a dozen tapes strewn across the coffee table, along with the remnants of several lines of cocaine. How odd, Star reflected. I don't do drugs. I wonder who's been here. And this is my favorite part. She doesn't do drugs. I I have a hard time uh, believing this account. So she sees a pair of feet like kind of dangling off the bed. And uh, I'm trying to get to this part where she basically. (laughs) um, She. (laughs) Okay, so Tommy Lee is in the bed. Or whatever Tommy Lee's name is. It's true, not Tommy Lee for legal purposes. (laughs) No, no. And he's got a massive erection. (laughs) She basically like creeps over to the bed and he's covered in sheets except for his big like pitch tent boner. And then she pokes his boner. (laughs) But that's a little further down the line. So that is starstruck. And as you can imagine, it is it's a literary treat, to say the least. And I I also really enjoyed, there's a customer review on Amazon and uh, it says uh, four stars. I'm a big fan of Pamela Anderson and have bought this book when it was first released, but it got damaged from moving. So I bought it again so I could read it again. And then I let my daughter read it too. I plan on buying her the other book too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's good to share, share the literature that's made a difference in your life. Yeah, so if anybody's trying to like, oh shit, what do I what do I get someone? There's a birthday coming up, Mother's Day, right around the corner. Why not Starstruck by Pamela Anderson? Well, I mean, what was the why did her nipples hurt? I don't know, but is, is there ever been a better opening you, line you in the history on. of literature? <laughs> I, I mean, mean it's incredible. On. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot, so much going on there, and that she managed to rub her entire body, realize her nipples hurt, then realize she's naked, and also that she's been holding a gun the entire time and was propped on a dresser, apparently. And this does not involve (laughs) drug use at all. And yeah, and she's totally (laughs) sober. I just like, I mean, in the first paragraph, there's, uh, like, just these first two sentences. Why do my nipples hurt? And then she her hands gliding along her naked body. It's so bizarrely specific. It almost feels like maybe this is the realest thing she's ever experienced. Like, this, maybe this is exactly what did happen. When was the last time you were were awakened by tender nipples? (laughs) Well, I haven't had as much surgery on, on said nipples, so, uh... 
understandable. There could be differences in experience. Uh, this is true. The question this is, is do you have the name of this ghostwriter? Because uh, I'm going to guess uh, penis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I can look that up for you if you want. Uh, let me, let me star a novel. Who's our ghostwriter here? Come on. Do they even credit them? Sometimes they don't. Some of it's just uh, like... Yeah, so the ghostwriter is Eric Shaw Quinn. Ah, shocking. Hmm. Yep. Just, I was really feeling that great... feminine voice in there. It felt so authentic. Yeah. It did, it did. <laughs> well, you know, we, we get a lot oh. of feminine voice in these movies. So Why are my sex parts so tender? Feels like I've been plowed several times. <laughs> All right, well... You know, again, just letting you guys know, I'm in the trenches. I'm doing the fucking work. And, you know, so Pam Anderson, she's she's a model. She poses for Playboy. From Playboy, she goes to uh, Home Improvement, where she plays, like, Tim's assistant girl uh, on the show within the show, Tool Time. You're not the one you remember, though. Not no, you you guys all remember Heidi. She wasn't Heidi. She was I, I don't know what her character's name was, like Jesse or something no, like I don't that. Remember. But she goes from that into Baywatch, and that's where she kind of transcends into 90s sex symbol cultural icon. And uh, during her time on Baywatch, she tries to make the jump to Hollywood. And right back to back, she shoots a couple of movies. I think one she shot in late spring, and that was Snapdragon. And then she shot another movie after that called, uh, well, I, I think it was called Good Cop, Bad Cop, but it was eventually <laughs> released as Raw Justice. And uh, that was her big foray into film. Before we get into the, uh, the, the big mainstream moment for her with barbed wire at the height of her fame and then the, the inevitable downfall with naked souls but we'll talk about those a little bit later gentlemen let's talk about her screen debut let's talk about snapdragon which god bless her in this one first time taking on a film role and she goes i'm gonna play this like this dual personality character and uh or is she or is it's, she? Yeah, it's a, it's a psychological yeah. thriller. Actually, in fact, yeah, it's a it's psychosexual erotic. thriller. That's the tagline. They, they just, the tagline says, a psychosexual thriller. I was surprised it's not an oriental psychosexual thriller. <laughs> I, I saw it as an erotic thriller without any eroticism or thrills. So <laughs> It is definitely short on thrills. Uh, yeah, this this is a, a weird one just because it's it's... It really, uh, it leans real heavily into the psychological thriller part, but it doesn't really do a lot of the work to establish a psychological thriller. So it's just a movie where not a lot of things happen, uh, which is kind of a problem. You know, it's like, I, I would have thought they would have put a few more gunfights into this just to like liven things up. But really, no, not so much. It really is just a detective making a bunch of like house calls to varying degrees of racism. Uh, the entire plot to this is absurd, and it's it hinges, as we've hinted heavily on, uh, Asian exoticism. <laughs> I mean, she, it opens like it opens on, on basically like a white slavery thing of like these two like little white girls getting snapped up by this like like cartoonish uh, Chinese gangster in like an opium den. It's insane. The whole thing is insane. 
This what I've been kind of learning from like this and our our Razzies episode, which is also early nineties based, is that uh, just um, racist sentiment against Asians in the U.S. at this point was um, you didn't have to hide it at all, did you? You could just say it out loud; it was fine. No one cared. Yeah, that's a development in like the last fifteen years that <laughs> people started to care a little bit. <laughs> or at least, or at least, like try and hide it, yeah, maybe, yeah. or yeah, feel bad about. It. Like, my God, it's just so insanely overt here. Like, it's it's pretty much just like Asian women and Asian sex is like weird and fucked up and mystical, and it's all I don't know, dominant submission stuff. It's very weird, and yet still, I will say, uh, I think Pamela Anderson's probably about the best thing in this movie. They have Chelsea Field, who's like, she's uh, an actress, she can do some stuff, and uh, they don't really need her at all. And they have mm-hmm. Stephen Bauer, who is not really much of an actor at this point, but uh, has is prolific, I believe. What do you mean? You got Lloyd <laughs> He's Braun. He's been in movies. You got Matt McCoy, <laughs> Lloyd Braun himself. That's true. Yeah, he's he's in a bit like he's kind of shows up until he's inevitably found dead in his office. And who killed him? Well, it turns out it doesn't really. It's not really that exciting. Uh, it's well, there's just, also like this movie is a mystery without any mystery because it's pretty much like, uh, well, here's what's happening. She has a split personality, and we've shown you cutting or we've shown her cutting someone's neck, and so the whole thing's like. Everyone they, seems they, to kind of know what's going on. Our, our protagonist seems to know immediately what's going on, but then is this like, oh, I could tell someone, or I could fuck Pam Anderson. Uh, yeah, that's the best part, right? Because he's, <laughs> he's like doing all this unethical shit. He, like, he's trying to shake down a doctor from some information on her or something like that. And there's this whole thing where he's just like, well, uh, you know, I guess I'm not technically her doctor. I'm just consulting, so I'm going to try and fuck her. Like, yeah, I mean, all this shit going on. It's an incredible tale, yeah, of of um how 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 willing would a guy be if he just thinks a lady's hot to like sleep with her even though pretty sure she's killed several people quite recently. And also does not have mental faculties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is the type of guy like the the main character in this movie is the type of guy where he was watching like Nancy Grace or something and he saw Casey Anthony and then wrote her like a fucking erotic letter. Like that's <laughs> the level we're at right now. And we should, we should point out. So, so it's uh, basically men are being murdered and they're being murdered in the throes of, of sex. They're being murdered at the point of orgasm, which is a mm-hmm. thing you can forensically determine. Um, and then they, they find their necks are being slit and, and there's like a, a single Chinese character left on the mirror. which which points the way so so they're kind of like it it must be something to do with asia and from there it's it's just yeah oh god this thing what i love about this thing is they do because adam you're right like there's not there's not really a lot of mystery here the mystery and we'll we'll spoil the the ending probably later on but 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 the mystery is essentially it's like we've seen footage of like a a kind of curvaceous blonde slitting people's throats during sex and here comes Pamela Anderson and it's kind of like okay so I, I, she's probably did it then but the question is is she schizophrenic or is is it not Pamela Anderson and mm. uh, you know it's but but I they, they do a part at the start where Chelsea Field is introduced in a blonde wig in a like a stakeout as a prostitute and I think that's like their big fake out 
Like, you know, oh, yeah. you know, you don't know. Is that Pamela Anderson? It's like, no, it isn't Pamela Anderson. It's very <laughs> clearly someone else. And then she takes the wig off. It's like, yeah, it's not her. We all knew that. They are quite different looking. <laughs> well done. And that's this movie. It's it's basically it's, like, it's, it's, it's like watching a really poor magician doing like close-up magic. And he's really <laughs> struggling and you're just kind of trying to help him through. You know, I just like, think it rocks that it's like a femme fatale movie that doesn't know what that is. Like, it's <laughs> fucking amazing. Because it's not like, oh, it's this uh, seductive woman and I've, I'm lured into a trap because she's so, like, sexy and powerful. It's like, no, man, she's in a mental institution. <laughs> she's uh, clearly a murderer. And the way that she murders people is they're just, like, fucking busting nuts out their jugular because she slices their throat as soon as they come. And if I'm... A guy in this movie, I don't think I'm going out of my way to sleep with Pamela Anderson with that knowledge. He like pulls her out of the facility too. He's like, I'll just bring her home. (laughs) Yeah, let me take her for a walk in the park here. Let's. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean you gotta you gotta go after the women with the closed head injuries and whatnot uh, who can't remember anything and uh, have exhibit no personality whatsoever. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. this movie (laughs) it actively jokes about like making her a Stepford wife or something. It's, it's, it's very strange. I mean, it eventually admonishes that sentiment, but uh, not really, because that's basically <laughs> what the guy does anyway. <laughs> the whole thing is like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very have your cake and eat it, uh, which, you know, why not? Uh, the twist, by the way, for anyone who, who, who doesn't know, and you're not going to watch this movie. This I think this is the longest of the four movies we've watched. I think it's even longer than Barbed Wire. I think it's like nearly 100 minutes long. It's quite long. Yeah, yes. it, and it feels much longer because it really is. I cannot emphasize how much just raw dialogue there is in this movie that has very little intrigue to begin with. They really thought they were making a psychological thriller or they just mm. really couldn't afford like a couple of guns or a couple of cars to crash into each other. Like they really couldn't do it. But um, it turns out that, that Pamela Anderson has a twin sister. That's, that's what yeah, all yeah. sure shows up. And, and, and this, and to be fair, this gives Pamela Anderson a little bit of leeway to like, she's played, she plays almost a whole movie as this like really affected kind of fragile kind of, you know, disjointed woman, you know, very vulnerable, etc. Not so vulnerable that fucking Dr. Steve Bauer would leave her alone, but, you know, pretty vulnerable to anyone with a heart. And then in the last <laughs> scene, she gets to, like, play the vamp up, like, evil, evil lady. And again, I say, like, after the Anna Nicole Smith episode, a, you know, you what are your expectations here? I honestly, I, I am a little bit struck and I don't think it's just in relation to Anna Nicole Smith. Pamela Anderson's really, she's not bad on screen. She's, she's at least trying. She's, you know, I, yeah. I think there, for the reputation she developed and the amount of scorn that was heaped on her in the 90s and so on, she's really not that bad a screen personality. She's actually pretty, again, I don't want to over, like, you know, go the other direction. Like, she's amazing. She's a star. But you know, she's capable. She's really not bad. Yeah. She's given nothing really to work with. This honestly, Snapdragon may be her best role. That and Barbed Wire. Uh, you know, Snapdragon might be her most nuanced role, even compared to Barbed Wire, because she gets to play two completely different people. Um, <laughs> she plays uh, one so, of them for the like, uh, maybe one minute of screen time. But uh, True, know. but you know, look, we're, we're, we're working with what we're working with here. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I, I think that, yeah, like she, 
she's trying. She's out there hustling, and I, I don't think she's going to win an Oscar, but she could, she could act. She could, she does an all right job, and I think in some of her other roles that we see her in, specifically Barbed Wire and uh, Good Cop, Bad Cop, aka uh, Raw Justice. I keep wanting to call it Raw Force, but that's a totally different movie. Well, when <laughs> when she's in these, when she's in those movies, she. You could tell she's she's having fun with it a little bit. Like she's she's kind of getting into the cheesiness and she knows what it is. And that's fine. That's fine. It's just she doesn't have anything to work with. Right. But yeah. At least she's I mean, trying. What are she's they trying. doing? They... With Anna Nicole Smith, it's just like somebody woke her up and they just like dumped her on the set in a heap. And, and then just, yeah, I mean, just yeah. filmed her. Fun fundamentally, like seeing Pamela Anderson on screen, I don't feel pity for her. Like it's not. No, it doesn't feel, feel like bad. abuse I, is occurring just by her being no. there. No, she does. No. She she. What I would say is, I'm not going to speak really strongly on either direction of her acting ability, but she she went, we know what we're watching here. We're watching Snapdragon or Raw Justice. These are DTV trash movies. And she does not stick out like she belongs. You know, she's uh, perfectly yeah. cromulent. <laughs> <laughs> perfectly cromulent. That's it. Pam Anderson, the yeah, perfectly cromulent story. Guitar riff. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> it's not like you're watching a movie and you're like, "What the fuck is this person doing in this movie?" No, she's she she's fine. She's at the level of actor as most people of these films are. Yeah. Well, I guess until you get into like naked souls and you're like, why are any of these people in <laughs> no. this movie? <laughs> no, that's, 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 like, that's going to be, there's extortion or tax fraud. Something's going on in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, I will say of Snapdragon as well, and this is maybe something I've been noticing just of recent. I've watched a couple like just cheapo 90s movies, and I feel like it's getting bad because I'm looking at all of them going like, this is a pretty nice looking movie. They've done some lighting. <laughs> there's some, you know, this, this. You know, real sets, It's it looks pretty good. And I'm starting to realize that really is reflecting very badly on contemporary cinema. If I'm looking at, like, not very expensive 90s DTV stuff, and I'm like, this looks like some good crafts work, craftsman work here. <laughs> like, yeah. gee, we're, we're in a hole. It, it, uh, it looks a lot like a Cinemax film, that's for sure. It's got, like, a, 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 it's a wash in this soft light. Everything is soft lit and this fucking horrible, like, music that is ex exclusively oh God, existed for, like, four years between, like, 1989 and 1993, where it's just, like, this terrible, goddamn, treacly, romantic synth music yeah, that's who, just, like... Who invented <laughs> the sex guitar sound? Like, who was responsible <laughs> for that? Cause... I don't know. I, I hope when Colin's editing this, he just throws in some sex guitar, because I think if if we're talking, you know, uh, 90s vixens, it's it's appropriate, you know? You get a, you get a Pam Anderson on screen, the, the sex guitar just starts wailing. That's how it goes. Yeah, it's, 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 the it's, second you hear it, it's so you, fucking you boring. Like, it saps the entire movie of any energy. You're like, oh, well, here's a scene of a detective. It's like, what the fuck's this song? Everything is just, it puts you to sleep. It is mm -hmm. weird with these movies. That, I mean, this is much bigger than just Snapdragon, but like these movies that are overtly like, look, you get to leer at naked ladies. That's the whole point of this. And yet the sex scenes are so utterly boring yeah and and appear like and in them it, uh, everyone appears that they have never had sex or never even postulated how sex would occur it's just utterly weird all these weird arched backs and weird angles <laughs> like just impossible 
nonsense and it's not sexy it's not like they've you know it's not like we took the sexiest parts of sex and amped them up to 11. No, this looks like just someone doesn't know what sex is and they had to reformulate it from like three pictures uh, and they don't quite <laughs> know what's happening. And it just keeps happening over and over in all of these movies, honestly. Uh, what was that 90s sex thing about? Like, it was just the weirdest code of standards that's, they had. That's like, what oh, pornography used to be, Jack. Well, at least softcore pornography. It was just like, well, yeah, what if yeah. there was a giant bed and the woman was always riding cowgirl? And we mostly saw her from the back, but occasionally we'd sweep to the boobs. Yeah, it was, it was no. like the weirdest thing, because it's like, okay, we are allowed to show you, like, naked people just we can do that but like there still must be just some code they were were adhering to like oh for sure. we can't go too far we can't do oh, this well, this is why I, I always laugh when people make fun of the sex scenes in the room because they're hilarious but also they're just every cinemax movie in the 90s yeah. like yeah. that's <laughs> there's no difference that but yeah that's that's what you get here just uh just a nice soft lighting sweep across the boobs and some crunchy sex riffs on guitar what else do you need in life really it's so so boring i this movie is a <laughs> fucking snooze and a half it oh, is. i fell asleep twice <laughs> it took me forever to finish this it goes on long like it really uh, i i watched it a while back and it was just like this has got to be like we, we've got to be wrapping this up soon and it Don't was like you own 50, this movie jack <laughs> I, yeah well it was it was like eight dollars i was like eight dollars for this movie a hundred percent yes well, this is i my... know what our next patreon subscribers getting in the mail <laughs> <laughs> i was watching it was like oh this this movie's been going on for a long time it's got to be nearly done i think i was like 50 minutes in like it's just absolutely like time ceases to matter in the middle of this film where is That's that wonderful. big bulk and skull energy worth? <laughs> yeah. Come on. We need it. Well, uh, you know, after the snooze fest that was Snapdragon, I was actually, <laughs> I was really excited to watch Raw Justice because from one of the greatest auteurs of the 80s and 90s, <laughs> David A. Pryor. A, a golden god. Let me let me. This is going to be his highest budget movie, right? Oh yeah. I mean, this is this is the man who gave us uh, Deadly Prey. He gave us Killer Workout, Sledgehammer, Man Killers, J just hit after hit in the late 1980s. Now, in the 90s, our our king faltered a little bit. Let's let's be honest, okay. But that being said. He's, he's still probably the most interesting director that we've got on this slate <laughs> because holy shit, it, this is the perfect example of like, I would rather see a, a mediocre movie from a, a true auteur <laughs> than watch some piece of shit from a fucking absolute nobody with no voice. And David A. Pryor has got a voice. And what that voice is saying sometimes, I don't want to hear it, but... <laughs> I, will, I will 100%. I like, I, this film has my full backing. This is a fun ride. Uh, yeah. I, watched, I watched Michael Bay's Ambulance over the weekend, opening weekend. This movie is better than Michael Bay's Ambulance. I don't care what go. anyone else says. This is, this is good fun. Oh, you want to talk about soundtrack? How about like... Your, your dad hitting the blues preset on the Casio keyboard. I was gonna say it's like it's like a simulation of 
going to a George Thorogood concert, and and he's just he'll never fucking start Bad to the Bone. He just fucking plays the opening riff for three hours. As if George Thorogood was yeah, in a jam did. band, and the song just never starts. <laughs> the, <laughs> the main score of this, yeah, it's like is literally generic twelve bar blues riff over and over again that I no one could have a copyright on dude because it fucking rocks because it fits every situation are you making love with pam anderson with her smashed against the concrete wall for some reason are you riding around on the hood of a car did a fucking hoverboat just blow up in all of those situations like it just fits I don't know if you guys noticed either, but a uh, film star, David Keith, playing our hero Mace, actually wrote his own theme for, for this film, yeah, too. Yeah, he, he, wrote, he did. Which, I saw additional music credits. David Keith. Which might be that, right? Like, maybe he just played <laughs> that bit on the guitar. That's the that's, only riff he learned how to do. He, like, like, he just fucking heard Bad to the Bone on the radio and was like, all right, I got this score covered. Yeah, this is like that's week three of guitar lessons. Is that riff? Yeah, and then yeah, he wow. just he brought that in with all his expertise to really capture his character. But this is playing rock band on easy mode, <laughs> right? Yeah, not this, not to imply that bad to the boat originated that uh, riff by any stretch. I'm just implying that no. that anyone involved with raw justice that's their frame of reference. <laughs> George, one hundred percent, one hundred percent it. No, look, what I like, because this movie had me in the first couple of minutes, right? Really within like nearly the first minute, because, right, we open in a parking lot and there's like a sting going down. And this this guy, Mace, he's uh, played by David Keith, is he's like what he's like a Bales Bond, like bounty hunter guy or something. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not 100% sure what he's he's an ex cop, but he's too dangerous for the force or whatever nonsense. Oh, yeah. So so he's tracking down a guy. Because he's either skipped bail or hasn't paid bail or needs to be picked up or there's a bounty on him. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Couldn't give a shit. Doesn't matter. We all know it. He goes to this hotel that clearly rents out by like the quarter hour prostitutes, very shady place. The proprietress of of this motel just shows up at the front desk, large woman eating a full turkey leg. And at that point, I just knew this was going to be... Better than Snapdragon, first off. Uh, and honestly, just something special. And the whole movie is special because from there, uh, David Keith meets up with Pamela Anderson, who plays a prostitute, and then he solicits her to, have, to, to sleep with him to lure him into his car so he can steal her clothes to then <laughs> pretend to be a prostitute to sneak into his target's room. Which doesn't make any sense because he literally just knocks on the door and walks in and he's a man in clothes Pamela Anderson was wearing just recently. And then the, and I think then there's it's a really chase. great that like David Keith and Pamela Anderson are the same size. Like I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> it is, it's an incredible fit. Yeah, he's, he's really, you know, it, it's, it's just such a goddamn stupid thing to do. None it's of it makes stupid. any sense. It's beautiful. No, but, but at the same time, I mean, elevator pitch for this movie. I mean... If I say, hey, this is a David Pryor joint and the first 20 minutes are David Keith dressed as a woman, like what, how, how do you not sign on to that? Like, it's, it's fucking great. Everyone should watch this. Uh, it's a true classic. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I never realized David Keith was such a fucking Swayze dead ringer until this movie. <laughs> I'm like, I see we're doing Roadhouse. Huh? 
Mm-hmm. D- yeah, David yeah. Keith is is because I'm honestly I know him from White of the Eye, which is a great movie, and he's good in it. It's you know he's he's great playing just a deranged dude in that movie, and I know he's in a bunch of other stuff. Like he's just one of the, like a face you know, mm-hmm. but I I just have difficulty placing him. And now now he's going to be White of the Eye, Raw Justice. Uh, I mean, Keith. and to be fair, yeah. he's me- good in this as well. He yeah. he's totally oh. yeah, he's a fun lead. Hmm. I think, you know, David Keith is a guy that you see in basically any movie that you catch on Tubi or Crackle or the Roku channel that's clearly just been ripped from a VHS tape, which, by the way, this is on the Roku channel, 110% ripped from a VHS to the point where there's like (laughs) scan lines on the fucking screen. What? How is this a phenomenon? Like, how does this even occur? Where you get the rights to a movie and the rights holder is like, yes, I have digitized my VHS copy of this film, which has, you know, like when you when you start a movie on an old VCR and it has like the time code thing in the in the top corner. Yeah, Yeah, like this one doesn't have that shit. It just has the fucking lines, the tracking lines or whatever. But there's plenty of movies on Amazon, on Tubi, on Roku Channel that have the little time code thing when it starts up. Like, who the fuck is doing that? I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> sorry, Steve, that the Cinemateca Retrovita or whatever is not looking to, to do a full re- remaster. <laughs> it just seems like a real pain in the ass. Isn't it easier to... And this is a movie, too, where a DVD copy is available, but we have defaulted to the VHS tape. Isn't it harder to digitize a VHS tape than it is to just rip a fucking DVD? <laughs> Why? Why are we in this world? How do you get here? Like what? I don't. I don't know. Well, okay. I need to talk to to the the Wizard of Oz behind Tubi. I d- I need to know how these things are. That's occurring. another mystery. Anyway, so and another mystery. Our question. Like the mystery here. <laughs> our question now. The the mystery is how does David A. Pryor have this much of a budget? Because almost everyone in this movie is like a real person. Oh yeah. No, he's got real people. He's got multiple serious fucking explosions. Uh, we've got a hoverboat, we've got a car, and we've got a, a, a helicopter. There's fucking CG in this movie. I'm yeah. pretty in like early 90s CG for a split second. And my God, like he does my favorite, favorite fucking cheap action film stunt. And this is just a classic. <laughs> like you can always lean on this one. And it's where you're going to do a car crash. But instead of a normal car crash, you're like, what if the car drove through a house that's just in the street? Yes, and this one, <laughs> there's a ramp leading up to it for no reason. <laughs> so yeah. It's not It's exactly. not a ramp it's for no happen. reason. It, yeah, it's it's a tow truck or a car transporter that's just parked in the middle of the road <laughs> with the trailer down. Totally <laughs> normal thing that would happen parked next happens, to an RV yeah. parked across the road. Which, this is stuff that happens all the time. Oh no, I've dropped my mobile home in the middle of the interstate. <laughs> what will I do? Maybe we should put this ramp down. That'll fix it. You could it's almost terrible. suspend like a- disbelief if the person was intentionally then hitting the ramp that they were like, oh, this yeah. would be a good escape route. No, it, it was like a a doof villain who inadvertently fucking spun out onto yeah. the ramp. In- <laughs> I didn't see this double wide trailer. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, I mean, later on, later on, he had. Uh, David David Keith is like stuck on top of uh, the the hood of a car that Pamela Anderson is driving, and he eventually convinces her to stop, and she stops into a convenient bunch of boxes by a wall somewhere. It's it's got all the classics. It hits all the right notes. I will say all mm-hmm. twelve of them or whatever is in the that riff. <laughs> I will say that the foreknowledge of this is a David A. Pryor movie. I was like, it actually allowed me to get faked out by David Keith's death. I'm like, well, maybe. 
Maybe it was just done. They did, they couldn't afford it any longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a reasonable. We assumption. we haven't even mentioned this. Also stars Robert Hayes, aka Ted Stryker of the Airplane franchise. Mm, yes. Yep. Yep. Did did you know that that Ted Stryker of the Airplane franchise has a sex scene with Pamela Anderson? Because I sure shit did not know that <laughs> until I watched this movie. Pam Anderson, like. On screen, some some weird lovers. Off screen too, uh, she had relationships with Dean Cain, Scott Bale. She fucked every early '90s Republican that I know of. Those are the only two. I and she's come out looking weird. better than all of them. She has. She has. And if you I mean, ask the question, uh, was Pamela Anderson riding him cowgirl and mostly shot from behind? Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. Hey, they mix they yeah. mix things up here with with the first. I'm mean, honestly, this movie is this movie actually has some legitimately fun elements to it. I was disappointed to find out that Pam Anderson apparently didn't have a great time making this movie. Apparently, oh, she was a bit bad. a bit roughed up and scuffed up. She said the se- I don't know the reasons why, but she said like after the sex scenes, she was like you know kind of had some scratches and scrapes and bruises. I don't know you know if they. We're just doing stuff they didn't have permission to do, or it was just weird. I mean, she, one of the sex scenes is up against a wall, so it's kind yeah, of like it's it's sort of a, a rough thing. Um, Why does she have sex with David Keith? I don't understand it's that. Funny as hell. I, it <laughs> it really, is. It's weird because they're just like standing by a concrete wall, that, and then it's just like it's uh, just there to happen because that's all that happens in this movie. So they have sex, but then it leads into honestly my favorite part. And I think again, Pamela Anderson, I think is pretty good in this movie and genuinely yeah. delivers some funny lines in a funny way um so yeah she has sex with david Keith's character just cause literally they escape death and they're just standing there and then they just have sex for that's out of the blue and then later on he tries to hook up with her again because he's like whatever you know she's in a hotel room and realizes that she's up there with uh, ted striker of the airplane franchise and uh, she explains to him and i actually took note of this this uh, line she like comes out of her hotel room to explain to him and says, look, Mace, I know what you're thinking, but it's not like that. What you and I did was just sex. I actually kind of like this guy. <laughs> what a great line. I mean, to throw out there good. amidst all your, you know, your, your macho, you know, cop nonsense where they always get the girl. No, mm-hmm. D- David Keats guy doesn't get the girl because he's just a lunk-headed weirdo. And no, she goes with the other guy who mysteriously does Kung Fu sometimes. I don't understand yeah, how that works either. I don't get that either. either. Because he's presented to us, when we first meet this character, he's accused of murder, and his house blows up in spectacular fashion. And oh, in then, his suicide attempt? Yeah, and his, like, fake suicide attempt, and then David Keith chases him on a dirt bike through a shopping mall that's completely empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's ludicrous. Quite low but again, speed this is just well. David Pryor, and he's like, fuck, we've got a mall in Encino for two hours. <laughs> We're gonna use it. It's Let's a, ride dirt bikes through it. It's a it's thing beautiful. of beauty. I, I love the suicide attempt, too, because it's literally... So so they want to kill this guy because they... Uh, an, an evil... Basically, the, the deputy mayor, played by Stacey Keach, another big... Oh, big unrecognizable Stacey Keach. <laughs> I had no Kinda, idea. Yeah, a little bit. But but so so evil evil deputy mayor Stacey Keach wants to become the mayor. So he's trying to, like, yeah, do kill, a bunch he, of stuff. He wants Charles Napier out of here. Yeah, so so he so he basically frames Robert Hayes with murder, and then he wants to get rid of Robert Hayes. And it's just an amazing scene where Robert Hayes just wakes up in his home, 
and he's just like starts he finds a note pinned to the fridge or whatever and he just starts reading this note really slowly and becomes vaguely aware the note is basically a suicide note and he's like reading it like oh what is this oh this is oh, crazy that's my handwriting yeah, yeah and it's like this this incredibly slow realization it's like wait a minute what what is this and then he like looks over and sees the oven is hissing and then he runs out of the house and it all explodes which makes me wonder how is a, a paper note pinned to the fridge going to survive reliably a suicide attempt like that uh, anyway yeah doesn't make any sense but again just great scenes this movie has so many utterly bizarre scenes just kind of set up with such a such, what i kind of appreciate about these movies is like okay they're not la- they're not tightly plotted because why would they be? who cares we know why we're here <laughs> wait jack so what's the plot of what's stacy keach's plot in this film that's <laughs> <laughs> he murders the he murders the mayor's daughter For and then he's because because she was writing a book revealing some stuff yes but you would think that then we've established <laughs> charles napier has skeletons in his closet that mace took the fall for and this this tell-all book he's trying to get his hands on it but apparently the book doesn't involve any of that stuff and the way he's going to no, blackmail so Charles Napier is by writing a chapter entitled Incest. <laughs> yeah, she's going to change. Seven, incest. And do you know, do you know how that chapter fucking starts? It starts with, why do my nipples hurt? <laughs> this was Star's first thought. She woke from a strangely deep sleep. But this, this is what I love about this movie. It understands, as, as the best DTV movies understands, like, look, we don't really need a story. We need like a good guy and a bad guy and a and a woman in between probably. That's all. And so the setup for every scene is just utterly precarious. It just inconsequential, often ludicrous, you know, it doesn't matter. It's great. Every scene of this movie starts like amped up. Like they just like they came on set. It's like, let's do a scene of a movie. And they just shoot it. And none of it really hangs together very well. But it's just, there's this great energy to it. This is, I mean, I was, this is Pamela Anderson's best movie. This is the best movie Pamela Anderson has ever been in, I think. Uh, certainly the one where she has like a major starring lead where she's not credited as Pamela Anderson. So uh, it's, like I say, it's kind of a shame that she apparently didn't enjoy the time doing it. Yeah, it's honestly, it, it kind of makes me sad that the trajectory that her, her career ends up taking because... After this movie, we get the whirlwind romance slash marriage with Tommy Lee and then the sex tape thing. And then we get barbed wire and then everything just kind of explodes. And it's so God, it's so fucked up. And obviously this isn't on the same level as like an Anna Nicole Smith or anything where you're like, oh, God, someone call the police and rescue this person. But the idea that like her acting career was completely just torpedoed and she turned into this, you know, Jay Leno late night comedy, uh, just fucking punchline. And her, her whole career sank because she made a sex tape with her husband on their honeymoon and it was stolen from a safe by someone and then distributed publicly. And for some reason back then it was just like, I don't know. It's just just the puritanical nonsense where uh, it's like, oh no, this she's she's blacklisted. She she had sex on video, so we can't we can't have that. Whereas now, I feel like a modern Pam Anderson, she almost wouldn't stick out. Like she 
fuck, have have a thousand sex tapes, Pam Anderson. We're here to support well, you. Yeah, I mean, but, what? Not even a decade later, you've got your Paris Hilton and your Kim Kardashian, and these people were like oh, yeah. made famous via hundred percent. Yeah, Pamela Anderson walked so they could run uh, inadvertently. Mm-hmm. She she didn't plan on it that way, but yeah, the nineties was just such a weird time, and it, you know, living through it, it didn't feel that weird but looking back like jesus it was really fucked up there's it honestly i don't know it almost feels more retrograde than the 80s because the 80s was just like utterly out about being basically nihilistic and cocaine fueled and Mm. just like absolutely unapologetically shitty and the 90s was like all of that except that like you put on like an awful like oversized pair of jeans and pretended you were everyone's best friend like that was the nineties. <laughs> it was like they repackaged it, but it was worse. Yeah. It's uh it, yeah, it's it's pretty rough. And even like the interviews, God, like I was reading one and, and this was after Barbed Wire, but like the the whole press junket for, for Barbed Wire and all the press that she did around it was just it, like it was just people kind of like, okay, so you made a movie, but also tell me about sex tape and this and that. Like she she can't do anything. It just you feel terrible for her. But even on into the 2000s, because when she was doing press for her amazing, uh, her, her books, her incredible literature, like, I found this one interview where the guy sits down with her, and he, he's doing the thing where he kind of like sets the scene and he describes the interview thing, and he's like, she's so tiny and quaint and petite, and she barely fits on the cushion, she's so little, but man, what a rack! Like, that's an actual line. It's like, what the fuck? You can't even, like, interview someone without just being like, Auga, look at these gazangas. It's pretty incredible stuff, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I, the 90s, man. It is a fucking mess. What a time mess. to be alive. Yeah. Anyhow, this <laughs> is like on pace to be our longest episode in history somehow. So uh, we should we should wrap up raw justice. <laughs> we should probably wrap up raw justice. I said a man raw is killed by is a giant a giant plastic dart for some reason. Yeah, the yeah, man's killed by a giant dark. plastic dark, and then Mace Keith 9-11's a building for no reason oh, to yeah. kill a single man. Yeah. It's pretty fucking sweet. He yeah, he does a straight up 9-11. Like people definitely died that building collapse. But also the bad guy got what was coming with him. And sometimes you, you got to do a little Could, 9-11 to make would an you, omelet. Would you say that sometimes justice isn't fully cooked? Sometimes it's raw. It's a little raw, man. Sometimes there's good cops. Sometimes there's bad cops. <laughs> and that think. leads us to barbed wire. So this is <laughs> this is uh, directed by David Hogan, sort of. Uh, this is Pamela Anderson's big, like, mega budget, super studio movie. This is her just fucking going for it and you know i i I genuinely feel bad for her because this was it was supposed to debut at can and they ended up like swapping directors and then recutting the shit out of this movie and just tearing it to shreds and pamela anderson said that when it was originally pitched to her and when she was originally shooting it the idea was that it was going to be super fucking campy and goofy And she was really into the role because it was just so over the top. But then because of, you know, who she is and the kind of press that was that was popping up around this movie, they decided to turn it into this weird, like more serious, I guess, post-apocalyptic movie. And what what you end up with is a fucking mess. And parts of it are like you can see the elements of the campiness 
and it's kind of fun. But then it sags into this like weird thing where you're supposed to take it seriously. But I will say, all criticism aside, <laughs> the greatest sin that this movie commits is it allows the teen boys who are most interested in this to leave after the opening credits. What the fuck? Because with the these opening things? credits. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the, the best part is some psychopath. There's no way this is true. Some psychopath for the IMDb trivia for Barb Wire was just like the opening credits for Pamela Anderson's idea. Yeah, I fucking bet. <laughs> so just getting hosed down for fucking 20 just, minutes. Pamela Anderson in a in a black leather corset just cinched like you would not believe. She's got like a, a four-inch waist in this movie and knee-high like stiletto boots just fucking dancing around on a stage while getting blasted with a fire hose. That's the opening of this movie. Yeah. And you're like, okay, the, I, for a while, I'm like, what is this? Like, are we, are we just like playing around with like, yeah. oh, are there nipples or are there not nipples? And it just goes on and on. And I'm like, what are they trying to be oh, cute no. here? And then this, all of a sudden she's outfit, just topless. This... I'm like, what the fuck is yeah. the point of any of this nonsense? No, if, if there's one thing you learn from Barb Wire, it's, her aerialists cannot be contained, so just accept them because they're there. They're just, it's just a lot of it's incidental. You're just going to have to accept it for what it is. It, but it's, it's just it's fucking crazy because it's this insano dance scene, fire hose shit. And there's a weird like alternative rock cover of cameos word up. Everything is weird. Yeah, it's it's uh, my notes for this just say opening strip scene goes on longer than you think, which <laughs> way longer. Oh my God, it, it goes on. But and it's so weird because then I think after that, there's only one other scene with nudity, I think. And it's like a it's a glimpse in like a blink and you'd miss it. Like she walks out from changing her clothes and like she's, you know, it's really, really quick. It's not like in her other movies where she has, like, full-blown sex scenes. So it's it's a weird thing to put right at the f start of the movie. But I do remember when this was out in video, um, I remember seeing the case in a store, and it just, it was, like, barbed wire starring Pamela Anderson, and it had, like, a little, a little sticker on the case that said that it included, like, a bonus extra featurette of, like, the, of her, <clears throat> I guess, of her, like, the opening sequence or of the, the, the swing strip scene, I think they described oh or something God. like that. So, I, like, I don't know, is there, like, was that just shot as, like, a separate thing? Or they, like, blew it into, like, a whole, its own separate like sexy featurette and then they just re-edited it back in or was there like a tamer cut it, it's really weird because it just goes on forever and it's not like even if you're into like pamela anderson and you were like the kind of, the, yeah the kind of person like you've <laughs> you, yeah, you've seen her in playboy you've seen her in snapdragon why would you want like five minutes of barely seeing her in barbed wire it just it doesn't make sense on any kind of logistical ground but um barbed wire is weird because it's it's just feels very generic even of its time i mean it came what like a year after tank girl i guess which was kind of like mm -hmm. one of the big 90s like kind of steampunk dystopian future movies there were several of them in the 90s most of them had much bigger budgets yeah but most like, of them uh, it was, the thing about those movies they all fucking fail too like every single one is yeah. like reviled and lost a mountain of money <laughs> <laughs> and and i think part of that is because they 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 all really 
got the tone wrong and barbed wire absolutely has it does have i think some great kind of like pop art moments like there's one fantastic scene where there's like a flashback of pamela anderson it's a flashback to like when she was in the military and it's just her on like some military blockade wearing like a steel helmet with her bleached platinum hair cascading out and she's got full pink lipstick on and it's the most ridiculous image of like an on-duty soldier and it's really funny and that if yeah. the whole movie was that like it really it's a glimpse of a of a much better movie and i i believe pamela andrews is saying maybe that that is what it was originally who thought they would make it more serious and who would benefit from that i don't know because i mean everything else here you've seen a million times already and you don't oh, didn't care God, then yeah. either <laughs> well and I, I, yeah, there, there are elements of this movie, like the, the campier things are just fantastic. And it sucks that, I mean, it has the whole second half act where it's just serious, just droning horse shit. Uh, it's completely unengaging. But I mean, the idea that you would make a post-apocalyptic basically it's just Casablanca if we're gonna be honest with ourselves here like it just steals completely from Casablanca which is hilarious so it's post-apocalyptic Casablanca in the 90s with uh like leather dominatrix Pamela Anderson it's fucking hilarious but it it just it can't execute properly it doesn't it doesn't understand what it is if it would just embrace what it is like in my dreams there's an alternate cut of this movie where it's just a beautiful camp classic and what we got is not that yeah it's it's just it's kind of a shame i mean it's got some fun elements to it i one thing i noticed watching it this time uh something i never a, a detail i never really paid attention to before is there's one scene where like a sheik wants barbed wire to cut someone's limbs off <laughs> like oh well that's an interesting detail now that hey, one's everybody's kinda, got kinks, man. That one's changed. <laughs> also, I think it's kind of funny, given, you know, Pam Anderson's treatment around the sort of this, that really the, the core message of this movie is her escaping back to Canada, effectively, like, <laughs> just leaving the US behind. But yeah, it, it's just, it's got credentials. It's got like Udo Kier and a few other um, interesting actors and character people around. It's, you know, it's got a fun kind of like that grunge punk aesthetic sort of thing like it's not none of it's really like unique but it's it's not bad again and again i granted this might be just like how dog shit modern movies get look but like i was looking at this hd copy and like this it looks pretty okay it looks pretty nice mm -hmm. actually yeah and uh, you know it's it's not a, like to me this is not a terrible movie but it seems like an absolute you know just it could have been something really notable rather than just being a movie that about passes the time you know, it really, it should have done something more. And Pamela Anderson is, by 1996, if nothing, larger than life. So for it to mm -hmm. kind of shrink into this movie that's so eminently forgettable is really, like, that's that takes some skill to fuck up. So I don't know what else David Hogan has directed, but um, I don't much. know if it was his <laughs> call, to be fair. But uh, so, someone fucked up big time here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's a strange, like, I have inexplicable nostalgia for this sort of like shaggy fucking half-assed cyberpunk post-apocalyptic thing that they were trying to do with like every fucking adapted property in the 90s for god knows why uh i'm like I, something about that appeals to me 
until I watch any of the movies, and then I'm like, oh god, these are all <laughs> fucking terrible. They're so boring. They, they, they all start, and it's like, hey, maybe it'll be fun. And ironically, this one doesn't. This starts with the weird strip scene, but then after the weird strip scene, you're like, hey, maybe it'll be fun. And then just it just always just kind of gets bogged down, and like we're still talking yeah. about a plot. There's like there's these fucking contact lenses allow you to escape retinal scans that everyone's looking for and they're still talking about them like no one cares the MacGuffin I think it is actually literally a MacGuffin because I'm pretty sure those contact lenses get blown up and never even get used mm -hmm. so you no, know they do get used she's wearing do they? Uh, it turns out there, there was a fake out where they get killed where they get blown oh, up okay. and, and in the end barbed wire is wearing them and takes them out and gives them to the the refugee or what have you Right, well, yeah, mm. she, okay, she gives them to, but, like, does she ever get scanned and evades identity? Yeah, she needs to get scanned to board the plane to exit the country. So, a barbed wire does not get scanned, but the, the doctor Oh, well, yeah, scanned. yeah, but that's, yeah, okay. She but does. That's not, like, the, the, yeah, what I'm saying is, at no point in the, like, you know, dramatic arc of the, the terror police chasing them do the contact lenses become important in and of their function, uh, there's one point where they try and scan a blind guy. That's the closest they ever get to, like, a thing. It's like, he doesn't have retinas. because his very specific form of blindness, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's paid uh, off in, like, the last two minutes of the fucking movie. In, in the most, like, overt Casablanca scene that ends this movie, where you're like, what the fuck is this? What are they trying to do? I don't understand. I hadn't really gotten the Casablanca-ness until that point, and then you kind of go back and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what they're <laughs> doing. To I guess things together. That's what like Shelley the size <laughs> character is doing early in the movie. I'm like, oh yeah, that's uh, right. He's even named Sharif. Yeah, I, yeah. And why not? But it is in red. Yeah, what a treat. It, it's yeah. I mean, like, I was discussing with Steve prior to this. I honestly probably Animaniacs and Tiny Toons did more uh, effective Casablanca pastiches around the same time as this this movie. <laughs> well, it would be tough to, to get much lower, I think. <laughs> this movie, man, I I did not enjoy it at all. There was one thing about this movie that I enjoyed, and that was the sound mixing of this movie. <laughs> because this this is like back when they mixed action scenes in the most insane fucking possible way, where everything is just like a fucking subwoofer rattling the shit out of your oh, house. Yeah. It's like someone just fires a gun, and it's like... <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah, bring this out. <laughs> I definitely had this one cranked up. Yeah, unfortunately, it's, it goes like a solid like forty-five minutes between gunshots. Because after the first like twenty minutes, I was like, "Hell yeah, I'm on board just for this bullshit rattling my house." But I'm just is, I'm just noticing, yeah, and the trivia about like Pamela Anderson being, you know, that the opening was her her idea. They say that the director David Hogan was under pressure to include more nudity. What barrier was there to that? <laughs> But like, yeah, this is like, why does this movie exist? I, I mean, there's that, clearly there's no barriers. That's <laughs> <laughs> did Pamela Anderson like Pamela Anderson didn't want to get naked in the movie, so she did. Like this doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all. How do they forgot no. to put nude scenes in the movie about the sexy? I, I I don't know. I'm starting to question the validity of the IMDb trivia section. <laughs> it seems like just anyone can add anything to it, doesn't it? I know. How weird is that? Here's That's a hot piece of trivia. Mary Anna Reyes was actually naked during the torture scene. Thank you, IMDb. Nice. Yeah, good good stuff. Um, it's good. 
<laughs> it's really good. Also, it's impossible if you if you ever want to like fuck up your browser history and look like a weird like '90s like horny teenager. Try and fucking Google anything about these movies because I was looking for interviews. I was looking for press that she did at any of this shit. And it's all just like websites where it's just like Pamela Anderson boobs, barbed wire, Pamela Anderson boobs, snapdragon. Like that's all it is. Yeah. This movie <laughs> is like impossible. the reason like Mr. Skin fucking exists. It's just, I just, it's the nineties. Right. Oh, in a yeah. movie that they couldn't get nudity yeah. into. They were struggling yeah, to, is, to put nudity into this. The, that's it. Like Pamela Anderson is the original e-girl. Just straight it's like up. Dad that's... didn't want to fucking sit through this movie, but he wanted to see those big fake tits. I mm -hmm. yeah, uh, this movie is it's just bizarre. It is the nineties because at this point, like by ninety six, Pam Anderson is like the avatar of the fucking nineties. She's just like stop yeah. looking like a human and just looks like the nineteen nineties. Fucking poured into some stiletto heels. It's it's just bizarre stuff. That's it's quite incredible. I gotta last, say. Last but also, thing I've 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 developed a, a specific brain disease where every five years I think that barbed wire and tank girl are both good and I watch them and, I, and they're not, but then I do it again five years well, later. Well, you gotta so add like, like Mario way. Brothers to your fucking playlist. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how I treat McDonald's. I'm like, maybe it's good, and then I eat McDonald's every five years, and I'm reminded <laughs> that, no, not not a fan of it. One thing I will add, the last thing I'll add on barbed wire that I think is, is fun, tie it back to Optimism Vaccine's own uh, proclivities, mm. is that although I didn't actually spot her when I was watching the movie, apparently Tina Cote is is an uh, uncredited bar patron in the film, and she is, of course, an Albert Pyun uh, regular. She's been in oh. Omega Doom and Nemesis 2 and Heat Seeker and Spitfire and a bunch of his movies. I think she's a, if I remember correctly, she's the sexy woman in the James Bond-inspired opening for Spitfire. She doesn't actually appear in the film. Mm. She was just nearby, I guess, to be the sexy woman to stand next to the credits for, for that whole thing. So, you know, if, if you're a, a, an Albert Pyun completist and a Tina Cote uh, completist that uh, this one you you are now obliged to scan through every frame of barbed wire to find out where she is yeah it's like it's like a really fun version of where's waldo for adults <laughs> do it uh, up, guys. i don't know about fun but you know <laughs> <laughs> all right well unfortunately we're gonna have to end on a sour note because we decided to do this chronologically and uh the the final film that pam anderson made in the 90s little joint called Naked Souls. <laughs> and boy, what is this fucking poster for this movie? I don't even understand. Like, she looks like she's like been photoshopped into some coral or like smoky rocks or something I, I, or a cloud. And she looks like like Summer Sanders. She doesn't even look like Pamela Anderson. I well, it's great because um, the, the tagline for this is... Uh, the tagline's completely inaccurate. I can't, I don't remember the exact tagline, but it's something like uh, it's it basically suggested that Pamela Anderson is being possessed by someone, but she isn't. That's not even what happens in the movie. Her boyfriend is possessed by someone. Uh, there's by just two a lot people? of lying. <laughs> or yeah, actually, what a fucking this is, thing. This script is one of the worst things I've ever fucking read. <laughs> this entire movie it's feels just like, like it's what in slow if motion. Flatliners was extra dumb? <laughs> That's pretty much it. Oh, I, I was, I mentioned this uh, briefly in the chat. I don't know if anyone caught it, but this guy, Frank Dietz, the credited writer was, uh, he was a star of like 
John Fasano films in the eighties. He he was right alongside John Michael oh, wow. Thor for like all of the fucking shitty rock horror movies of the nineteen eighties. <laughs> so we're talking. We, he, he, he was in fucking Rock and Roll Nightmare and Black yeah. Roses. Holy and shit! Zombie Nightmare. No fucking yeah. way! Wow, what a fucking king! That's a run too. Eighty-seven to eighty-eight. Frank Dietz, just a god. That's incredible. Yeah, none of that's here. I'll say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this, no. this movie just feels like a, a like it's just unfolding underwater. It is the slowest. It's not the longest. Uh, Snapdragon is considerably longer, but this one maybe feels longer. It's just insanely just ponderous uh, in unveiling the most boring sci-fi story you've already seen about a guy transferring the human brain into like digital memories to implant it in someone else's body that's that's the whole movie you've seen it before yeah. you've seen better no, versions you, you saw this in like 1952 <laughs> this is nothing new yeah. yeah i i i'm trying to figure this thing out like what what is this movie how did this get made like why does it exist like who it's tax fraud. This is 100% tax How is this not tax I assumed tax it had fraud? to be like, oh, somebody here is going to, I'll click on him and it'll say like, son of Jack Warner or something. <laughs> um, but no, there's nobody famous involved in it outside of the cast, which has, yeah. I mean, David Warner, you're, you're a real actor. Yeah, Dean Don't do Stockwell. this. Dean no, Stockwell. This is, yeah. this is some... Pam Anderson had to cost a fucking fortune at this time. I, I don't know what's going on here, but this this is some, like, Paul Brothers bullshit. <laughs> Somebody's got something on somebody. I don't know why these people are here. I don't know where this money came from. I don't know who the fuck wrote this. Well, yeah, Frank <laughs> Dietz. Like, well, yeah, the Dietz man, but, like, how... It, this is this I just is wild. can't imagine, like, and going into Hollywood just, and turning this scripted and someone being like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, someone at Cinemax was like, yes, make this now. How... How? How do we get here? And and it's worth mentioning this one. Uh, the, of all the films, maybe alongside Snapdragon, uh, Pamela Anderson is like least important in this film. This really is uh, about a really boring, dumb guy and a really old dude and their struggle for supremacy. And Pamela Anderson just happens to be the girlfriend of one of the guys. Yeah. It's, it's a real... Yeah. She's pushed uh, to the I mean, side in this movie. Accurately cast as an artist. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, she does plaster casts of, of naked ladies. Breasts, so it's, yes, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a real, real cutting-edge stuff. I mean, um, as mm. much as we, we have obviously exhibited some affinity and uh, sympathy for the late Anna Nicole Smith, this this is the most Anna Nicole Smith role of, of the bunch. Like to, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, she would be way better yeah. in this, because Pamela Anderson has given it her all, but this doesn't need her all. This needs Anna Nicole Smith going, no it's like instead we have serious face pamela anderson like fucking painting a picture yeah it it does not make any sense in this film that anyone could have looked at the movie they were making and decided and looked at pamela anderson just being pamela anderson and decided to just cut away from her for like 20 to 30 minutes at a time it feels like uh, to to uh. discuss nonsense like what really gets me about this movie is that like it's a sci-fi movie and yeah it's not a new idea or a novel idea but um they could they could have at least like dressed up the set a little or did some you know cool things but it, like there's no there's isn't even like a sci-fi computer room or anything they kind of do like a a, a 
portal, like a pod, like in the fly, where you know where you transfer the memories, and they just run a smoke machine overhead. But like, there's no cool lights, there's no weird props, there's like it's a really low-fi science fiction movie. Uh, and I'm assuming that's probably because they paid Dean Stockwell and Pamela Anderson uh, to appear in it. And I think that was a mistake. They probably should have paid much less famous people to be in this and spent the money on making the movie look more interesting. Certainly not Dean Stockwell. What's he in it for like fucking five minutes? Yeah. He's be like, hello, I, I'm not going to give you a grant. Goodbye. I'm like, what? Yeah. And, yeah, and you didn't need Dean Stockwell for that, I don't think. No. And then, and then the rest of it is... Um, I mean, to cover the plot, essentially, there's this guy, he's a uh, very young scientist, uh, and he's developing a way of digitizing memories, and uh, he's he's experimenting on this, and he seems to suddenly have unlocked somehow the serial, the, the, the memories of a serial killer, uh, and all the serial killer's memories basically involve him killing 90s, uh, like, Playboy model types. Uh, in various states of undress some of them are clothed which makes the whole montage even goofier because <laughs> it's like just a bunch of like naked women and you're like okay well we all know what this movie is and then a few of them just aren't naked it's like did they just refuse to get naked on the day like what was happening here like it it just makes no sense but anyway he unlo- he he finds the serial killer's memories and then he meets up with an older doctor played by david warner and the older doctor's basically like, so I hear you're you're researching a way to like digitize people's memories and put them in another body. Anyway, I'm in ill health and I would like to fund your research and also you should legally take my name. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the guy's like, I sense nothing wrong with this. I'll absolutely do that. And wouldn't you know, the older man is planning to steal his body. Incredible. Yeah. Also, and this Pamela involves Anderson is also there. like voodoo magic too, for some reason. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's unlocked by African tribes people because you know uh, snapdragon had the asian racism they were missing out here this is really a movie full of white people so they had to uh, like yeah. jam in some racism just right in the opening credits by doing like a weird tribal ritual right yeah uh, yeah uh <laughs> I, i'm not sure how he he gained the mind of the serial killer without the voodoo magic but he did but uh, I, I guess that uh, as this movie posits, the diseased mind is, is slowly eating away at the healthy mind, uh, and that's the plot of the movie. I, ah, <laughs> uh, this yeah. So the least convincing scientist of all time, Brian Krause, who you may recall from uh, Return <laughs> to the Blue Lagoon. <laughs> you may not recall from the Return to <laughs> Blue Lagoon. Uh, I can't believe fucking Blue Lagoon is coming back to haunt us. This is the hole we've been in for the past <laughs> few months. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's horrible, and David Warner is just sitting in a chair the whole movie and <laughs> mumbling, and it's miserable. It is, Pamela Anderson is like literally the only part of this movie who is seems in any way alive. Oh, she's a beacon of light, <laughs> and this is a real shit movie. It's it's basically this is this is borderline unwatchable. It's just so fucking dry. I yes, I, and it also does and, not and star worth- Pamela Anderson really, and so we were going to cut it, but then Jack said after having watched it that it was essential uh, that that we view it. I didn't, I, that is an absolute <laughs> distortion of what I said. What I said was, if we're going to do a Pamela Anderson podcast and she's in four films, we should probably do the four. Should probably do them. Because otherwise... Steve, back uh, oh, me up. So I'm, I'm backing you up on this one. All right, I, I'm yeah, going to take 100%. a quick look at her uh, filmography here. 
Uh, I'm going to guess it doesn't There's say other four movies credits. where she's credited as <laughs> Pamela Anderson. Uh, I see here. Uh, Myros wants to watch Scary Movie 3 right now. <laughs> yeah, something called The Institute where she plays Anne Williams. We better get on that, guys. Uh, listen, listen. I, I only, I only want to watch things where she's on the cover. And she's on the cover of Naked Souls. And looks like absolute shit. Like, no one has ever done her a greater disservice than whatever the fuck this, this poster is for this movie. It is horrific what she looks like. Unbelievable. The Institute is from 2017, Adam. That's a, that's a late Pamela Anderson podcast. Yeah. We, we don't, yeah, we don't fuck with late Pam. This is like prime we'll Pam. We'll get there eventually. This is, this is the 90s, Myros. Come on. We're, we're trying to live in the 90s. Uh, we have a superhero 100%. movie where she plays Invisible Girl. <laughs> Yeah, you know, no, we're not doing this. This is the no. core Pamela Anderson Playboy yeah. pin-up hot property era. Yeah. And she and that's Pam what Man she's Cannon. in this movie as. That's that's why she's there and she's the best thing in the movie. So yeah, I'm I don't feel bad about including Naked Souls. Um, I feel bad no, if I haven't watched it, it, but the, you know, yeah, that's don't, our don't job. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's our job. We, we're doing this so you yeah, don't I, have I to. Name one and movie I'm telling you, that you, could, you could give him a spin, and it's Raw Justice. Oh, Raw Justice. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> one. Don't fucking Raw touch. Justice is, that's the big takeaway. We, 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 you know, we went through the trenches here. We saw it. We watched it. We, we went through all of Pam Anderson's work, and we could confidently say raw justice that's what you need in your life yeah. everything and, else fuck it and to be credit uh, I, I would watch raw justice again so mm -hmm. you know it's a real it's a real winner you know and i for yep. some reason have seen barbed wire at least three times now yeah same thing i i just i can't get away from the barbed wire i'm just drawn to it i don't it's it's horrible it's a disease <laughs> anyways <laughs> yeah naked souls fuck it i don't even want to talk about it anymore it's trash so <laughs> jack what are you putting <laughs> over this week Oh, I'm gonna put over naked souls. It's uh, <laughs> no, no, we're we're not putting that over. Um, that's that's just awful. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just gonna I'm not gonna put over anything too interesting. I just watched uh, Manhunter recently, the Michael Mann movie, and um, it kicks ass. It's it's always I remember it's like oh, it's a really great movie. I'm gonna watch it, and it's always it just gets better every time, and it's got cool music, and uh, it's just a bunch of good stuff in it. Uh, so yeah, I'm just gonna put that over. Myros, what are you putting hey, over? We're running long. Just listen to Jimmy Jameson's uh, theme song from Baywatch. It's it's a banger. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, I'm gonna put over the only good thing Stan Lee has ever done. And that's Stan Lee's Stripperella, oh, Christ a Christ. cartoon. <laughs> Sorry, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> yeah, so de definitely check that out. It was on Spike TV <laughs> 15 years ago. I'm sure it's it's really good. That definitely holds up. Uh, also, <laughs> I'm going to put over the band Weird Nightmare. It's one of the guys from Mets, but it doesn't sound like Mets. Mets, Mets are good, but this is like, what if Mets were fun? Because Mets normally not fun. So this is fun, Mets. Listen to it. It's good. You could you could put it on the background while you torrent Stripperella, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, anyways, if you enjoyed the podcast today, do us a big favor. There's a link to our Patreon in the description. And you can give us money. And when you give us money, you'll have some amazing benefits. You can access exclusive podcasts and written content. You can also, at certain levels... Uh, vote on things that we're going to cover on the podcast or even uh, you could dictate an entire episode. 
with with enough money. And if you donate any amount of money, I will send you a movie in the mail from my personal collection. Will it be Stripperella seasons one through six on DVD? Possibly. You own those. Really, who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, who doesn't at this point, right? We all we all have our stripper relic. Well, collection. you better specify uh, this. This offer only uh, works for uh, U.S. residents because no one, no one in it's the U.S. True. actually <laughs> listens to our podcast. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a strong international yes, audience. Yes, unfortunately, you can't get uh, this great benefit. But uh, you know, no, I'm I'm trying to send these things out fucking media mail, man. I can't I can't have you living in like I don't know Wales. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't live in Wales. What's what's good in Wales, Jack? Anything? Yeah, they've got some. They got choirs. They got a lot of sheep. Yeah, yeah I mean, what's so good about living in fucking Ohio, Steve? Like, let's be Nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't live there. Are you kidding me? They they put spaghetti underneath their chili. That's fucked up. All right. Well, <laughs> you could also contact us optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Or tweet at us at Optimism Vaccine. Uh, send us all of your your death threats, your marriage proposals, your questions, your comments. Adam Myros will be diligently answering all of those. And Jake's got a fucking baby, so he's not here. So I gotta give the last word to Myros. We're still doing this. We're gonna just keep kicking it around the horn every week. Keep kicking it to us. Stripperella. <laughs> <laughs>